say hi to everybody who is joining us as a part of this service. And I want to say happy Mother's Day to everybody that's here as well. Um, And I know that depending on where you sit, this day is one that falls somewhere on a spectrum of everything from beautiful and celebratory to really difficult and even grief stricken. Uh, For those of you that are moms, we're so grateful that you're here. But we're also grateful for those who want to be moms and can't those who are moms but have lost a child, and, and even for those who've lost a mom. And today is ex, uh, you know, just absolutely painful. We just want to say that we're really glad you're a part of this. And here's why. Because what you're going to hear in the message today, in fact, in this whole service, I believe you can find hope and encouragement for exactly where you are in your story. We're in this series at Forest Hill Church called Trade Up, where we've been looking at this idea of the life that Jesus offers to trade us for the one that we believe we can design on our own. And to kind of tease out and get an idea of what that life looks like, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark. That's one of the accounts, kind of a story, an eyewitness version of Jesus' life. And in that, we've been trying to to see what we can pull out that we can either expect or that we can follow an example of or, or something that we can learn about this life that Jesus says is possible for us to take. We're a church that believes in building bridges that connect everyone to dynamic life in Christ. And we believe that dynamic life is offered freely. So no matter where you are, today is a day that you can experience it. As we've been journeying through this book and as we've been looking at these stories of Jesus moving quickly throughout the three years of his life that he did ministry, we found so many things about how he has engaged people, how we can think of him and and how he thinks of us. And today's gonna be no different. In today's story, we find a a desperate mom, a woman who has a request of Jesus that's eye-opening, it's beautiful, at times it's heartbreaking. And we're also gonna see something really interesting in the way that Jesus responds. And at first glance, I'll be honest, when you read this, it can make you um, take a step back. It can seem confusing, uh, mean, even maybe offensive. And yet, when you understand this story through the eyes of this mother, And through the eyes of Jesus himself, there's so much power and so much beauty that I think wherever you find yourself in your story today, whether it's one that you never thought could happen or it's taken a turn that you didn't expect, or maybe you feel like the story is basically already over, there's something powerful for you in this message. 
In just a few minutes, I'm going to bring in a special guest, someone that I think is an expert on what this looks like. But before I do that, I want us to read the passage and I'll make a couple of comments about it. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 7, verses 24 to 30. And as we get ready to read that, I want to ask, like, if you're able, wherever you are, in kitchens and living rooms, offices, uh, as just a sign of solidarity together all over, would you stand as we read and listen to God's word in this moment? Again, in Mark 7, he says this. He got up and departed from there to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and he did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape notice. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she was asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, because of this reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. When she went back to her home, she found her child lying on the bed and the demon was gone. This is God's word. You can be seated. The story that we're looking at today, in fact, all of the story that Mark tells in his gospel, actually, the entire Bible is really about two things. The first, that Jesus, it's the fact that Jesus is Lord. And the second, it's about getting the faith that lets you live that truth out. We're gonna see both up close and personal as we look through this story. Uh, but before we jump into that, just kind of get the picture in your mind. Jesus, fully God, this one who's been in the process over these first eight chapters of Mark of demonstrating his authority. The one who's showing that when he says he's God, he's got the power to back it up. He's been moving in and out of different areas of this part of the world in ancient Near East and Israel. And as he does, he's been showing that he's got power over demons and disease and death itself. He's been powering over wind and waves. He has been the authority that he said that he was. And the people have seen this up close, whether it was in his hometown or in the craziness of Jerusalem or, or in other places that he would spread out. And at this moment in the story, Jesus, while he's fully God with all that power, he's also fully human and he's tired. It says that he's leaving to go get away, to, to find a break. Maybe like many of you, you feel like you've been stuck in the craziness and you're ready to get a break and go somewhere else. Well, Jesus goes to a place called Tyre. It's in modern day Lebanon and it's a really interesting choice. Here's why. Tyre was a part of uh, the area that was actually filled with Gentiles. That just means people who aren't Jews. But, but these specific people were kind of considered enemies of the Jews. So when Jesus goes to get some rest, a vacation, he's going to the area where you really wouldn't choose to go unless you had a, a specific or particular mission that you wanted to accomplish there. We find in his interaction with this desperate mother that that's exactly what's going on. Jesus gets to the city. He's walking with his disciples looking for a place to stay. And when he finally gets there, Mark tells us that a woman comes in and he's very specific about this woman. He says she's a Gentile, a Syrophoenician. That simply helps the reader understand it, that she wasn't Jewish. She wasn't the expected one. In fact, in this encounter, everything is wrong about her request. First of all, let me just show you some of the, the norms, the customs that she's breaking. 
uh, this hero of a mom, uh, she's the wrong gender. Women weren't supposed to talk to men this openly in the street. Uh, but she's also the wrong ethnicity and skin color. Uh, she wasn't Jewish. She shouldn't be allowed to approach a, a teacher, a rabbi, a master like this. That, that would be unheard of. She's probably socioeconomically different because clearly she's worked really hard to try and come up with a fix for her problem with her daughter and, and nothing's worked. And here she finds herself in an unexpected place in front of an unexpecting person about to be confronted with the unbelievable power of God. She gets his attention. And it's interesting, this same interaction is recorded also in one of the other gospels by Matthew. It's interesting that both of them tell this story and that must mean something for us. You see, there wasn't a whole lot of parchment and ink that you could use. So when a writer chose which pieces or which stories he was gonna write down, he had to be really careful because there was you know, limited amounts of, of time and energy. And so the fact that two of the writers chose this story means it made an impression. And here's part of why I think that's true. The woman in Matthew, we find out, continues to bug Jesus. She's running around the disciples. I'm imagining a little dog, a chihuahua, maybe that's just yipping and yapping as she tries to get their attention. And maybe it's lasted for, you know, blocks, minutes as he walks through the town, but maybe it's been for miles. All we know is that as Matthew records it, the disciples get tired of hearing her and they finally look at Jesus and say, would you get her out of here? Shut her up. Jesus in a heartbreaking moment in Matthew's gospel, he didn't say a word. Here's a woman laying her heart out, pleading, begging for him to do something, not even just for her, but for her daughter. And Jesus doesn't even speak. She kind of reminds me of a woman we looked at a few weeks ago. Do you remember in Mark 5, we looked at the woman who had had the bleeding problem for 12 years. She'd exhausted all of her resources and nothing worked. And she finds Jesus in a crowd. And she's got so much faith that she believes that if she could just touch his clothes, it would heal her. It's similar to this woman. This woman who's at the end of her rope, exhausted everything that she could do. She has this belief, this what we would call faith, that says Jesus can fix the problem. Some of us, that's the biggest hurdle to our current situation. It's having the kind of faith that allows you to go to God and to be able to say, I need you like she did. In fact, faith is an interesting mix of a couple of ingredients. Have you ever thought about this? Faith is a mixture of a paradox. It's humility and boldness. It's the ability to recognize that you can't on your own. You don't have, you don't deserve, I don't deserve. Mixed with a boldness that says, even though I don't, I believe that he will. That even though I don't deserve and I can't, I believe that not only could God, but he wants to. For me, that's how faith is born. And I think this interaction shows us something about what Jesus thinks of this woman's faith. Because we find out in Mark that she continues to plead. And finally, he looks at her and he says the thing that has just perplexed and might have puzzled you when you read this the first time. Uh, so many people over the centuries. Jesus looks at her and he calls her a dog. I mean, it couldn't be more dismissive. It seems like the most offensive and mean, maybe even racist thing to do. And in that moment, he says, I'm not going to take the food that was meant for the children and give them to the dogs like you. This mom, though, she's undeterred. Nothing, no barrier is going to keep her from getting what she needs for her little girl. 
That's one of the amazing parts of faith is that it builds in us persistence, perseverance to continue to ask, continue to move. In fact, scripture all over tells us that. Ask, seek, knock, pray without ceasing. Don't ever stop. And this woman pushes right through the the seeming barrier that Jesus raises. And she has an amazing response. She says, yeah, yeah, I may be a dog, but guess what? Even the little puppies under the table, they get to eat a chicken or nugget or two that falls from the the children's plate. I'm okay with taking a crumb because I believe I have enough faith that even that crumb will take care of what I need. Isn't that amazing? It's powerful to think that she could be undeterred by this seeming barrier that Jesus put up. She pushed right through it and said, I don't care. I want what you have. Look, look, she knew she didn't deserve it. This is faith in action. This is the humility of a mom who says, I know I'm wrong skin color, wrong class. This is the wrong place and the wrong time. I get all that. I'm not asking on the basis of who I am. I'm asking on the basis of who you are. And I think when Jesus makes that comment, about the children and the dogs, I can almost see a twinkle in his eye and a smile on his face. I think he's doing this for for a benefit that's bigger than we might notice. See, he already knows he's gonna heal the little girl. (laughs) That's in his mind already. What he does in begging the woman to step forward and demonstrate faith is for her benefit too. He's calling out of her the persistence. He's calling out of her the faith that has that boldness attached with the humility. And in so doing, he also is doing it for the benefit of his disciples. His friends watching this, now they understand something they may not have before. That this message, this goodness, this mercy is not just for the Jews. This is going to go to to everybody. And even more than that, it's for the crowd that's gathered watching. Think what you would feel when you watch this interaction that was breaking all the social customs and suddenly you recognize the mercy and goodness of Jesus to say yes in this moment. It had to pique their curiosity and it's for our benefit too. 2,000 years later, we are reading this and looking at a mom that's a hero, but really it's a mom that understood something about him that no one else did. In, In both Mark and Matthew, she calls Jesus Lord. That's the second fact, uh, the second thing that we should take from this story and from all of the Bible. Jesus is Lord. In fact, in Mark, this is the first time that anyone has ever called him Lord. Not the ones who had been around him for all those years, not the ones that had seen his incredible actions, not the trained religious people. This woman from the wrong side of the tracks sees straight through to the core of who he is. And she says, you are my God and I can see your grace showing. Man. It's powerful to watch that persistence in action. And that kind of faith allows her to not only get what she needs, but what's best for her story. Now, at this point, I'd love to bring in somebody who's kind of an expert. And on this Mother's Day, I've got a special guest. Uh, My mom is here with us. And so what I'd like to do now is to uh, go to her and to ask for her perspective. So mom, first of all, happy Mother's Day. Thank you for being here, being a part of this. Thank you. Thanks to technology, I'm just excited that even though I'm quarantined here in Louisiana, I get to spend this day with you and with um, the amazing Forest Hill family. It's great. And we'll never forget this one. 
Um, As you just heard, we've been talking about this story, and I wanted to just ask from your perspective um, as a mom, how do you hear this? How do you kind of hear this interaction? And then also, um, not only how do you hear it, but have you ever been in a place where you were this desperate before? Well, I absolutely love this story, and I absolutely love this mom. Um, I, I love that she did exactly what you just explained in your remarks is that she showed such humility, but yet such boldness. And to me, that just capsulizes everything that a mom is. A mom will do whatever it takes for her child, whether that child is a baby, a a little girl, as she referred to, or I might just add a six foot seven, 40 something year old son, a mama will do what she needs to do to get help for her child. So I love how she just threw out everything and went to Jesus, knowing who he was, who she had heard, what she had heard about him. And And the second part of your question, yes, I have been in that position. And and I think that's one of the things I loved in reading this story over and over. It's like I could just see myself as her. And, you know, I could probably give several examples, but uh, one in particular stood out to me when you and Jeremy were little. We had moved across country to a new home and it was Easter weekend, and we had just been in our home like just a few days. I was still unpacking boxes, and as you know, your brother had many allergies to many different things, and he had asthma, and it was Good Friday, and he had the worst asthma attack he had ever had. Now, I didn't know a single person yet. I, had, I, I hadn't found a church, didn't even have a pediatrician to call. And so I I had medicine for him. I had nebulizers and inhalers, and we just did everything that we normally did when he had asthma attacks and nothing seemed to work. He seemed to be getting worse. So we've gone through about three days and three nights. I sat up with him, kept him upright so he could get air. And um, we were both exhausted. He hadn't eaten. He He just was not feeling well at all. But he finally dozed off and went to sleep. So I laid him down on the bed and I laid down too, just hoping to close my eyes for a little bit. When suddenly I just awakened and startled, like I could just feel someone staring at me. And I glanced to the side and there stood my two-year-old little cotton-haired boy, literally gasping for air. He was, his little lips were blue, his fingernails were blue. His, he just, his color was just gray. And I jumped out of bed, of course, and grabbed him and began to do everything that I could, that, that I had the ability to do to open those airways. But I was praying and crying out to God and pleading, Jesus, please touch my baby. Jesus, please. He can't breathe. He's going to die. And the most amazing thing happened within just a few minutes. I'm telling you, literally, he got down off my lap. He, he just calmed down. He began to breathe freely. He started playing in the floor like any toddler does. He actually asked for something to eat. And it was if he had never had asthma in his life. It was one of those moments that every mom treasures Jesus heard my prayer 
and he acted on it mm -hmm. just like this woman. So I could see myself in, in that whole situation and just that desperation that takes you to him. Yeah, that's so good. You know, parent or not, um, everybody, we love that story. We love this story because it shows that persistence um, that I think is real important for us to have in faith. And as we come to God as Lord and Jesus, we need that. But sometimes, um, and parents know this, but all of us get it, sometimes what we're asking for, it just the answer has to be no. And, and occasionally that causes us to misunderstand. And as a parent, you really can feel like, man, I, I wish I could do it, but you're just going to have to, love is going to have to allow misunderstanding, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. And with you having two teenage girls, you're going to understand it soon. But uh, yeah, I can remember one time you were probably about sixth grade, um, somewhere in there, and you were playing basketball on a team, and it just so happened you'd had a game, and a few of the guys were going to spend the night with, with another one of the guys on the team. And you asked if you could spend the night. And unfortunately, um, that young man's mom had confided in me about some things going on in their home that she was very concerned about and, and things that made it really a dangerous situation for you to be there. And so I had to just say, no, I'm sorry, you can't stay tonight. Well, of course, you couldn't understand that. Several of your friends were going to spend the night. And I couldn't say to you, you're, you weren't mature enough for me to tell you what the reason was. So I had to just keep insisting out of that love for you and protection for you that the answer was no. And you had to accept my no. And that's just the way it was. And every parent who's listening to this gets that. Um, but every person who's a part of this also understands because they we've all said probably what I said to you at that point, like that's just not fair. Exactly. You know, sometimes uh, when we go to God with tons of pers I think our perseverance can't be used to limit God to just our way of thinking because he doesn't think like us. He knows all he is higher. And he's always after our good. And C.S. Lewis uh, said this quote that I think is great. He says, um, you know, we're not necessarily doubting that God will do the best thing for us. We're just wondering how painful the best is going to turn out to be. And I think in those moments is when our faith, our trust in him as Lord comes. And then there's always uh, a story that doesn't end this way. And, and I think about that and think of what if the story turns out different. What do you do with him as Lord then? And uh, I know you've got some experience with that. So I wanted to ask you about it. Yeah, I wish I could say no, I, I don't have any experience with it. But as you know, I, I do know what it feels like to petition Jesus for your child and get an answer that you weren't expecting at all and certainly didn't want, never wanted. And I don't mean to make all of my answers to you today about your brother, but that same two-year-old little boy that Jesus so miraculously showed up and healed grew up to be just this most amazing young man. He was funny. He was witty. He was always making everybody laugh, had the most gorgeous smile ever. And yet behind that laughter, there was a lot of insecurity 
a wounded identity to, to some extent, uh, a lot of things that he looked at as failure. And he had some very real physical issues too. Jeremy um, had a seizure disorder. He had a very rare bone disease that, that wasn't diagnosed until later in his life. Um, he had a spinal cord injury that ended up leaving him a paraplegic. And so he suffered many of those things and it, it led to depression and anxiety and eventually to some addiction. And so I felt like I was always pleading for him. I was that mom that was always crying out in, in one sense or another, begging God for help for him, but never, ever none like on the day of December 16th, 2012. And that morning we woke up and was actually getting ready to go to church and Jeremy began to have multiple seizures, just one right after the other. And he, he was ha having difficulty breathing. And so we called 911. And as soon as they arrived at our home, he went into cardiac arrest. Only to just moments later, they revived him and rushed him to the hospital. And I'll never forget, I, I, I want to tell you, I was that mama in Mark 7 that, at that moment. I fell on my face. I didn't, it, I didn't worry about my background, my past, my own insecurities and unworthiness. I went to Jesus on behalf of my boy. And so when they got a pulse again, it was that brief moment of hope. And I, I remember even saying, thank you. Thank you, God. You're so awesome. You are all powerful. Thank you for sparing my child. And I get to the hospital and put in a room and the doctor walks in and says, I'm sorry, he didn't make it. And I instantly, I just said, what do you mean he didn't make it? I couldn't accept, I couldn't, my mind couldn't wrap around my reality at that moment. And to just be brutally honest, <laughs> I don't know that you want me to be honestly I wanted to scream at that moment just exactly what Jesus did on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was the worst moment of my life. But you know, in those days that followed, those dark, grief-stricken days, I would look to the scripture for my solace and comfort and help. And I realized Jesus never promised me that he would say yes to every prayer I ever prayed, like a genie in a bottle. He never promised me that. What he did assure me was that he always heard my prayers, that he was always and always would be with me. He is Emmanuel, God with us, no matter whether it's a mama and her child or someone else with, with a problem they're facing today. He is with us. And he was faithful. He promised to be faithful to me. And you know, Jason, I think at a moment like this, we have to just stop for a moment and address who it is that that's promising this. Is it just somebody giving us some word that, that makes you feel better? 
this was the Jesus I had trusted as my savior. I, I knew he died for my sins and gave me that guarantee to heaven. But was he my savior and Lord? Could, could I really call him Lord? Could I trust him? And I had to look at his character. He, he who said to me, the one who said, I will be with you. He said he was acquainted with grief. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows when he was being scourged and beaten and hung on a cross for us. In where he lived in heaven in glory with his father, he would have never had to have grief. He would have never had to experience sorrow or any kind of pain that any of us could feel. But he chose to come. He chose to bear that and to experience everything that any of us will ever experience so that he could identify with us. So that's the promise maker. That's the promise keeper that was speaking. Could I not trust him as point at any point? Do I like the answer? I can tell you still today, almost eight years later, I don't like it. If I could change it, I would. I still don't completely understand it. But boy, when we can just reach out and, and take him at his word and trust him, we find that he is so faithful to it. I can tell you as dark as the days have been, there has never been one day that I've walked this pain, this, this journey alone. He has been there. So if I can say yes to the one who has power over life and death, I will call you Lord. What a trade up. <laughs> I don't mean to have a pun on words, but your whole series, what a trade up that the very one who has experienced everything for us will sometimes have to say no. But even, even his no's are merciful. They carry with them the promise, so many promises, regardless of what we're experiencing. You can find that promise that he has made in his word, and we can trust it. Yeah, and that's part of the whole idea of Lord, you know, that we've, we've talked about. Uh, the Lord is the, the one that has the power over and the ability to direct as he wants. And the thing that I hold on to a lot, one of the, the quotes that I love is this idea that God always gives us what we would ask for if we knew what he knows. I love that. What it means to trust that Lord. So I love that. That, you know, it's, it's like it's a portrait being this wonderful painting that we don't see the end and this is just the middle now, you know we as you know we celebrated jeremy's birthday this past week without him it's mother's day it it is a very painful day for me but within that within whatever our circumstances are they are framed with hope and that hope is not just someone saying well i hope it's going to be better better or I hope this is going to happen. It's that hope that he paid for with his own blood 
he secured it. And, you know, one of my favorite verses that I've clung to, especially in these last eight years, is Revelation 21.4. This, this very same Jesus, this promise keeper, this one that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll walk with you. I'll go before you. That same Jesus said, and he will wipe away every tear every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Imagine that. And the one who is seated on the throne says, I will make all things new. That's good news on this Mother's Day for any mama and anyone else that's watching this and experiencing whatever life has sent your way. Well, thank you so much for that. That's true. And, and with that, I just want to say thanks for passing down your legacy of faith to me. And then uh, also now to a whole bunch of people who got a chance to, to watch and hear. And uh, I love you. Happy Mother's Day. I love you too. All right. Well, I think the question that, that is brought out of that whole passage and then that story is, is simply, what do you do with him as Lord? And before every one of us today is the option, is the choice to say, yes, I will make you Lord right now. I trust you. I believe with whatever understanding I have, but I will follow. And that's how we trade up for the life that Jesus says is worth giving up the one that we can build on our own. So I'd like to pray now for all kinds of situations. And I hope this prayer covers wherever you are and whatever it is that you're going through. And, and I won't be able to hit every one of them specifically, but there are a few things that I wanna make sure that we pray about together. And one of those is uh, just to pray for those that are experiencing right now what seems like his delay or even his no as we continue to deal with a, a global pandemic and, and quarantining, but, but also, I wanna pray in the middle of that, as we've experienced this past week, another example of the injustice and evil of racism that has left a mother on this Mother's Day, Ahmad Arbery's mom, to have to feel as if she got that same ultimate no from God. And I wanna pray that we would all find strength, perseverance, and the ability to see through this to his mercy and to call him Lord in spite of that. Would you pray with me? Father, the fact that we get to come to you and we get to say, you are Jesus, you are Lord, is a privilege in itself. I thank you that we have the chance in this moment to despite what's happening around us and in us, that we can with emotions swirling and things that can seem out of control. And even in that, we can find ways to celebrate the wonder of motherhood today. And we get a chance to say thank you for blessing us with moms. But in the middle of that, it's painful, it's tough. There are moments that are hard. And so we ask God, I ask for uh, those who are listening that you would give strength and that you would give the ability to persevere, that you would give faith, this mix of humility and boldness that says, I know I don't deserve it, but I won't stop asking because I know that you're good. And so would you give us the ability to pray those prayers this week about whatever it is that we face? Father, I pray for those who are experiencing the, the ravaging effects of COVID-19 around us. And, and we haven't seemed to experience in Charlotte as much of that impact close up and face to face, but all over this country and relationships that we're connected to, we see people who have to experience it. And yet in the middle of that, we can look and say, you are still Lord. Lord. 
Would you help us to do that today? And, and Father, would you quickly bring an end to this virus and to its effects? Father, I pray today for the family of Ahmad Arbery and for the situation that's developed there. Lord, I pray first that you would bring your kingdom to bear here where justice is done, where racism and evil and murder are not a part of it, and would you do it quickly? And would you give us the perseverance, the faith, the ability to persevere boldly to ask that you would remove that and that you would be the one who says, yes, I will intervene. Father, would you give us the ability to see your grace even as we have to grieve? And I pray, Father, that you would take uh, all who are watching now and you'd begin to lift our eyes to what we said in the very last moments there, that our story is framed in hope and that hope is built on you, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.